WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Friday edition of Hittin' Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. My name is Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. With me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello, Liz. Hello, Justin. Well. <laughs> Yay, let's talk about the Phillies. <laughs> here we are. As you may know, you, Liz, definitely know, and the listeners may, the GM meetings of Major League Baseball have been an eventful couple of days. Word is Shohei Otani may sign with a team, probably the Dodgers, by the time the winter meetings are happening in Nashville come early December. The Guardians, Mets, and Angels all signed new managers. The Cubs stole one from the Brewers. The Padres, Astros, and now also Milwaukee all still need to find a manager. Brian Cashman threw his drink in the face of reporters because he is messy and loves drama. And the Yankees the Yankees couldn't get the attention they wanted during the regular season, so their GM tried to get it all back in one big finger wag at his critics. Did you see that footage, by the way? I did. It's it? it's beautiful. Oh, that's just incredible. Yeah, Brian, for anyone who didn't see it, the Yankees, is he the GM or the president of baseball? It's Ops? the case, same diff. It's the yeah. same guy. They don't the have anyone who- else. The guy making the roster decisions for the Yankees and has for uh, forever uh, was yeah surrounded by reporters just kind of turning and facing different directions like he was a pivoting cannon fending off an invading force and uh, got into a tete-a-tete with uh, Joel Sherman of the New York Post. <laughs> and boy, yeah, just really defensive, really Real and, meeting and of the minds all, there. This was all about like the Yankees getting called too reliant on analytics and Which that opened stupid. a wide a wider argument about teams getting excited about like bringing small ball back and and that not really being the direction of the trend in baseball and like maybe that's probably not a good idea but he was defending the fact that they are too analytic and and he says they're not and i mean what <laughs> was this anything other than entertainment to you or was this an indication of the wider trends of major league baseball i mean it's an indication of wider trends of uh of GMs and presidents of baseball ops uh, being annoyed with reporters. That's really <laughs> what it is. I mean, and I'll say there are a limited number of reporters' questions, reporter questions reporters can ask in that situation that are really going to provoke a good answer, especially in, you know, in those circumstances. But are you, too, do you think you're too analytic is not a good question. <laughs> it's just straight up 100% a stupid nonsense question that should that it that shouldn't be asked. There is no no team is too analytic because every every team has at least some people. If it's the Pirates, it's like two people and maybe like a, a little Furby robot, you know, or another you know or another like the Dodgers, who I'm gonna guess probably have one of the largest uh, analytic staffs in baseball. Like it's about how you use the stats. That's the problem, is how you use them. And that's that's the disconnect, it seems like, for the Yankees. That and the fact that no one is talking about them in the way that they want to be talked about. That's You know what? That's what it is. It's an image problem for the Yankees, who it still really try to view is. themselves as, as this stately, classy 
organization, and right now they just look They're acting like, like a mid-market team that has yeah. to stretch a buck. Like, uh, Steinbrenner, I think, said, you know, prior to Cashman's remarks, like, I don't think you need to have a $300 million roster to win a World Series. I don't think you should need one. I'm like, well, that's nice, but <laughs> that's... um. Uh, you can say those things all you want, but you'll continue to lose then. Well, let's hope Cashman comes to the winter meetings with a much more locked-in mindset. Actually, let's hope hope he doesn't, honestly. I was going to say, (laughs) I'd rather see the Yankees' unhinged, you know, public representative and decision-maker out there just screaming, Aaron Judge said that we have to use RBIs at batting average. I hope he shows up at the winter meetings with like a huge beard that's way longer than he naturally could have even grown <laughs> in the time it took for us to get to December. Fingernails down to his knees, uh, his shoes just like wearing bread bags and shoes. Yeah, I, ho- I hope he he just comes out of it like he's been living in the woods without even any kind of shelter for the last couple of weeks. That would be yes that that would be a trend in baseball. I would love to start seeing. Uh, but all. Elsewhere, Trevor Bauer's agents took some meetings as he began his comeback attempt, and then suddenly everyone had to go home because of a stomach virus sweeping through the hotel. And then the GM meetings were canceled. Or a sign from God. It was really something, the way they shut down the GM meetings because everyone was sick to their guts. Uh, Maybe that was why Cashman was so persnickety. He had the bubble guts, and he he didn't like being looked at. I understand that. <laughs> but in any case, it is around this time every season, every offseason, that each and every general manager or baseball or president of baseball operations is cornered by the press and forced to answer for their season and or crimes. And when reporters had a chat with Phillies president of baseball ops, Dave Dombrowski, we learned some new information, which was that the Phillies have a new first baseman. And it's the guy who played first base for the first time in 36 games last season and finished with three runs saved above average. Now, Elizabeth, putting aside the fault that can be found in just about every defensive statistic, I have no problems with Bryce Harper being the Phillies' first baseman. It's certainly not the normal ones you'd have with like this guy just started learning the position for the first time at 30 years old. And, you know, there might be actual first basemen out there who've been playing the position for much longer. I don't really think I don't feel like any of that applies here. I think he did good enough in this quote unquote trial period he volunteered for. And, um, you know, I know people who think he'll eventually win a gold glove at that position. I don't think anybody's really concerned about Harper playing first base. I really really don't. I mean, is that just from the. From the jump here, is that a concern of yours? Absolutely not. It shouldn't be a concern of everyone's. He looked more, he looked not just competent, like skilled. Like there isn't a baseball player in all of baseball right now that I think could do what Bryce Harper did this season. I mean, I think Mookie Betts did something similar, but he also wasn't recovering from a, you know, a, a huge elbow injury. Yes, you are, of course, describing the record setting for humanity recovery period for Tommy John surgery that Bryce Harper came back from and then volunteered and learned a new position that he played adequately enough to inherit the job long term. Yes, I would say no one has done that before. That's no. <laughs> no, like people I I feel like Phillies fans forget it sometimes because Harper's been with us for a while now. Uh, but he's I and I try to say it a lot. He's a specimen in baseball that we we really haven't still haven't seen like the fact that in year he's been in the majors for almost a decade right 
and he what he's done over time and to do this now at age 30 or however old he is to learn a new position because the team desperately needs him to like people talk about Shohei Otani being like a baseball unicorn and that's entirely true there really isn't anyone else like him but there's no one like Bryce Harper there just isn't there's <laughs> Bryce no Harper's one more like a baseball minotaur yeah, you want to go the mythical creature route, he'll just exactly. run through stuff. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, Shohei Otani has the delicacy to be a pitcher uh, and an outfielder, and Bryce Harper has the the minotaur horns or whatever it is, uh, and he's just going to crash through whatever he has to to get to his goal. <laughs> oh man, I think we just invented something. I like this. I do. <laughs> Who makes? How do you make a T-shirt? I feel like we. I feel like we just made one. I think we did. <laughs> Bryce Harper is a baseball minotaur. No explanation needed. All right. So yeah. Again, the concern isn't that Harper is going to play first base, and I don't think it ever was. But uh, this move will have seismic effects on the Phillies' outlook going into 2024, as Dombrowski clearly and pretty directly stated that Harper will be playing first moving forward. Kyle Schwarber will be the primary designated hitter. And this, of course, means that somebody is out. And we know uh. that that somebody is Reese Hoskins. Uh, Dombrowski mm. said of Harper, we think he projects to be an outstanding first baseman. He told the Associated Press, he's willing to do whatever for the organization. And we just think for us, it makes a, us a better club now and as we go forward. It gives us a really good athletic infield that can be together for years. Which, you know, side note, he's kind of throwing it out there. And he's never really afraid, Dombrowski, I mean, he's never really afraid to make casual little assurances that, that you know, the goal is to keep guys long-term. And in this case, yeah, he's saying he wants to see the Bohm, Turner, Stott, Harper infield, you know, for at least a couple of years. Uh, but putting aside people's, including our own, feelings about Reese Hoskins for a moment, uh, logistically, this is, this is the right move of the possible moves they can make right now. Or do you disagree? I, I mean, I agree. I mean, out of it was out of love for Hoskins that I continually tried to convince myself that, no, 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 Bryce Harper doing great, like amazingly fantastic at first base is definitely not a reason for them to get rid of Bryce Hoskins. <laughs> definitely. I just trying to convince myself of that for most of the season. And, you know, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's sad. It's sad. And, and you know, I, I, people are out there being, oh, this is the business of baseball. People are getting emotional, but it's the right move. I mean, I think a lot of people getting emotional would still agree it's the right move. But yeah. that's the nature of emotions is that it's not, guys, it's not crazy to f have feelings about, to have an emotional investment in the players you watch play baseball. Yeah. The sport you are also emotionally invested in. And Hoskins, obviously, everyone has formed a very strong attachment to Hoskins. Yeah, there, there's milestones we could point to. I feel like that sh that's better reserved for an episode after a lot of this has been formalized. Right now, we're kind of just dealing with the initial sting of knowing that this fan favorite player who can really hit home runs uh, and give you some long at bats, who also has flaws in his game, sure, um, he's not going to be here anymore. And he's he's the second longest tenured Philly behind a guy who also may not be here next year. Oh. Uh, a homegrown player who was, ex was so exciting when he came up, became a team leader. I mean, you know, again, this is just something that people are going to be emotional about because it is sad. It's sad the way this went down. I mean, you know, this was nobody's fault that he got injured the way he did, but that 
when he fell down in spring training with an ACL tear, it became, you know, everyone was already thinking, wow, he may have already taken his last at bat as a mm-hmm. Philly. And it seems like he probably has. Uh, so it's okay to be emotional about this, but logistically, I agree. I mean, I feel like this is probably the move. Um, this is from Alex Coffey in the Inquirer. Harper said, I'll do whatever is good for the club said Dabrowski. The more we talked about it internally, we just think it's a good situation for us and a good situation for him. Dabrowski said he envisions Harper as the first baseman and Kyle Schwarber as the DH for the majority of the time. I did talk to Reese on Sunday and let him know of the situation. We think the world of Reese and Jamie. They are wonderful people who have done so much for the community. I don't want to 100% close any doors, but I'd say that's the situation. He understood. If he's not back with us, we wish him nothing but the best. Liz, I'm not trying to stir anything up here, but this is sort of an odd series of events, isn't it? At the very least, like partially created by horrible luck and partially created by Harper's desire to help the team and volunteer to play first base, which was great. Though in this case, he may have inadvertently cost the guy he has called the Phillies captain his job with the only team Hoskins has ever played for. So, I mean, in general, here we are. How, how, How do you feel? I mean, obviously you're sad, but like that we've wound up here taking this kind of strange winding road to this point that I don't think even people who felt like this was inevitable didn't think we'd get here this way. It does feel unfair to Hoskins. And to quote one of my favorite movies as a child, Oliver and Company, fair as for tourists. Uh, In the business, you can't really control this. And it sucks. But the Phillies want to win. I mean, I didn't think Dombrowski would get to this point now. I really didn't. Especially after... You know, after the season, they made a point to say, or at least Hoskins made it, not Hoskins, Harper made a point to say, you know, I'm open to playing first or the outfield, whatever happens. But as we recall, he didn't actually, he didn't really do much for Hoskins in that conversation, as I believe we (laughs) pointed out, Um, which is fine because looking at it now, you kind of see why he would want to play first base. It is less stressful I think than the outfield and with his elbow he's going to be worried about that for the rest of his career and Dombrowski was I believe he, he worded it carefully to make it seem like like this obviously wasn't Harper's decision so that it wasn't yes. like Harper decided that Hoskins wouldn't be on the team anymore like that's not how it went down um but it does I mean like when the world when the playoffs ended and we did start perhaps thinking about what the next Phillies team would look like when they would be back at the very least did you imagine them being very different? Because with this and the other, you know, tidbit we got out of the GM meetings that we're going to talk about in a minute, it does seem like this could be a somewhat different looking Phillies team, um, if not you know, th- thematically the same, but different looking than we've had the last two years. And even just through one season, you get used to having some guys around that you like. And Hoskins is obviously an extreme example of that. People love him now. And I think the fact that he didn't play in this season, I think people probably love him even more because they missed him all year. And he didn't have any like the frustrating at bats that he would have had to like kind of tarnish that love. Uh, So, I mean, how different of a Phillies team were you expecting to see in 2024? And how different do you think it's actually going to look? Well, I wasn't expecting things to be much different, but I don't know. Then, like, Craig Council defected from the (laughs) Brewers. Like, literally, like Cuba, he defected and moved over to the Cubs. And that sort of made me think, all right, well, this is 
some seasons I go into it thinking, you know, the Phillies have got to change. And this time I thought they have a lot of what they need. But, you know, everything, I, it reminded me like, no, baseball tears itself apart every offseason and then puts itself back together in time for spring training. You know, teams are changed, stars are traded away, guys sign away, that type of thing. And you think, how are they going to move on? How are they? We thought this last year with Hoskins. How are they going to go on without him? And it just happens, right? Yeah, and uh, I think the part of the X factor here is is also that the free agent class this year is, is not great after Otani, and the Phillies are obviously not a team that's expected to sign Otani. So the free agent pool is pretty shallow. I don't even think it gets that much deeper next year, to be honest. So when you yeah. think about like how this team could change, it'll probably, if it changes, it'll come through trades, uh, which, again, we're going to talk about in a second. But, you know, again, it's not that people aren't aware of when players' deals run out. It's more just like, hey, look, you could be looking at a Phillies team next year that doesn't have Reese Hoskins, Aaron Nola, or Nick Castellanos on it. And those are three big guys. Uh, so that's, that's kind of, that'll, that'll be an adjustment at the very least. So Dombrowski seems to be framing this move around improving the defense, which, you know, Hey, I, I got no real problem with that. Uh, but should, <laughs> yeah, should, should their focus be on correctly? Like, like the likelihood of their offense stalling out. I mean, but then again, can you even fix that? Like, it's not like their defense cost them the NLCS. It was the fact that their hitters just weren't hitting and their plate approaches were too aggressive and Dombrowski's pretty direct in his descriptions of like how all this went down with Hoskins and Harper make it seem like it's just about a done deal so I, I mean like is this do you feel like this does improve the defense the way he's saying and and, and should they be focusing on that this offseason uh I feel like the defense is it's not that it's negligible he was very good at first base but like I I feel like that's just a cover I mean, it does make them marginally better, I think, on defense. But what it actually does is enable them to keep their big hitters in the lineup at play in, in positions that they want to be in. Because, like, moving... I mean, we talked about it. Hoskins coming back would set off a domino effect, uh, domino effect around, around the outfield and continuing on. You know, there just wasn't enough places to put everybody. And when... You have a chance to keep two of your best position players, you know, two of your best hitters in the lineup and at places they want to be. A guy like Hoskins, who just plainly straight up is not as good as they are, keeping him around is not is not necessarily a priority. I hate that. I hate those words I just said. Yeah. I mean, hey, we're talking like GMs now. I hate it. I really hate it. <laughs> Emotionally, I am connected to Reese Hoskins. But this is really kind of the best way he could have left. It really is. He is not to blame in any way. Everybody loves him still. The people who got rid of them look got rid of him look kind of bad. You know, not to the point we're going to be booing them. But this enables Hoskins to come back to the city like a hero, like a king, anytime he wants. Yeah, I mean, like uh, there's gonna there's no question ever whether fans will boo him ever. I think, He'll be cheered into oblivion. He'll be, I mean, people will have signs when he comes back for the first time. I think uh, Destiny Legardo said that he should go on the Wall of Fame. And there was like a couple of people pushing back on that. I, I just don't get people's brains. Like, what is the, uh, so oh, if he gets on there before Utley, Rollins, and Howard, like he, 
he, he's not. They, they do it pretty much in order. Like I think they move. They're moving through history, you know, pretty much sequentially. So I don't think they would do that. Also, Hoskins hasn't is like pretty far from retirement. I would say so. Like that's not really a concern. Also, yeah, I mean he was uh, he, he was a streaky player. Everybody's a streaky player in this lineup. Yeah, we've we've certainly had conversations on this show about being frustrated with him. Sure, absolutely. But you really can't deny his overall impact on this organization. And if, even if you just frame it as he was a guy who came up through this organization and then played on the big league squad for a bunch of years, that's honestly enough to go on the wall of fame, even if you never hit above 250 or went to the playoffs. You know, you were around. Mike Lieberthal is on the wall of fame. He was a, he was a uh, great ball time, player, but he never sniffed the playoffs. <laughs> no. In time, I think Hoskins will make it on. He's too big part, of too big a part of this. Yeah, too big a part of the organization. Players, the players loved him. The fans adored him. He was here, and he wanted to be here, holding puppies in calendars with guys that he probably does not talk to anymore, like uh, Aaron Altair. Like he was there doing all those things in in the rough years, and I'm sad he he didn't get to experience more of the good the good here that he clearly contributed to Dombrowski like I said he he was pretty clear in his announcements Um, he's dropping a lot he's dropping big decisions a lot of other GMs at these meetings were just shaking hands laying groundwork once again we saw Dombrowski enter a situation and be like this is what we're doing like entering the winter meetings last year and being like we're signing Trey Turner and they signed Trey Turner and that was yeah, it. That was good. Right? Zipped it up. Uh, does he have something crazy planned if he's being this direct and, and like making these kind of moves this early in the offseason? Um, maybe. But I mean, I think he's just realized like this is business. Why hold it back? Like, I think he I think he understands the fans and actually in more in a way more than we give him credit for. I think he knows that we just want to know. You know, there's no sense in holding it back. It's a decision that has already been made. So why not talk about it until, you know, whatever you, you know, uh, Hoskins officially does whatever. Like doing it now is just sensible. And I I appreciate that about him so much. There's no crap. There's no filler. He's like, well, this is the plan. And I'll see you when I'm finished. <laughs> we'll have, a, definitely- we'll have a, a press conference and everything. He's definitely an A to B guy, it feels like. He, he, he sees the problem, he draws up a solution, and if it seems like it's going to work, he pulls the trigger. And that is... That the, yeah, sounds that is like refreshing. the way it should there's be done. Not a lot of, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of politics involved, though I'm sure there is. Um, so, oh, yeah, yeah I, but it's nice of him to not make us... to not get us involved in that because he knows that fans don't care. <laughs> We don't care. Just tell us the players we're going to get so we can buy our jerseys and our jerseys and move on. Is there anybody, without either of us looking at a list of the available players or candidates, uh, is there anybody you feel like fits into this picture in the space that is left behind, perhaps, uh, with either the Hoskins departure or a potential Castellanos departure? Mm. Um, I would say... I guess not. I mean, I off the top of my head, I know that um, was it Cody Bellinger. Right. I was going to say, doesn't this all come back to Bellinger for the same reasons it did at the trade deadline? Really? Pretty much, <laughs> it does. Like if you're, and we'll talk about this in just a minute. If you, if we're 
open to moving Castellanos, it's because we want to put someone else there. It's this is again, this is not like the old days where they say we want to trade this guy and there's just a big hole there of nothing to, you know, that they just sort of stuff with minor leaguers, you know, to fill the hole for the rest of the year. Like that's not this team. If if they're open to making a move that seems unexpected, it's because that there there is a plan. He wants to get he wants to put someone there. But we know one thing I know about Dombrowski is that he's not going to. He's not going to pull the trigger on a plan unless he knows all of it can be done. Yeah. He's not going to he's not going to, you know, trade Castianos and then all of a sudden the guy that he wants is not available and he has to scramble. That's not Dombrowski. That's nice. Uh yeah, because you and I play in a fantasy league where everyone is too scared to make a trade because they're too worried they're going to be the one who who's the loser of the trade, like they're being outfoxed in some way. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have that. I don't think Dombrowski has that concern and I don't really have that concern for him. He could be in a, but like never in a way like <laughs> there were people who were arguing trading Matt Veerling and Nick Maton for Gregory Soto was Dombrowski getting outfoxed and Uh-huh. I don't know how I look at that trade anymore. I certainly don't feel great about Soto, but I'm sure someone could point me towards some statistics that show he was effective, at least for a couple of stretches out of the Phillies bullpen, and that those other two guys really wouldn't be everyday starters on a team other than the Detroit Tigers. I don't know. But I don't know. My point is, I don't have that concern with him. Same as you. And so like that, that trust in the guy making the roster decisions is is kind of a boon. But there's just no getting around the fact that Losing Reese Hoskins is is sad. You and I yeah. both thought they'd bring him back for another year, but it just seems the business side won out. Dombrowski was quick to make sure nobody thought Harper made the decision, like I said, but now uh, they probably will move on from Hoskins, and it's been interesting to watch him go from this young phenom that was going to carry them into the future to more of a, when things stabilized, more of a Pat Burrell comp who could at least put together a long at bat before striking out, even when he was struggling. To, to a team leader and this defender of his teammates, to one of their five touted power hitters to start this new era, to a community mainstay in Philadelphia. He and his wife, Jamie, have a ton of admirers and fans who are just going to be really sad to see him go, uh, us included. So nothing's been yes, formalized yet, true. and we'll talk and- more about it in the weeks ahead. But this, what, will, what, this, what will this team miss from Reese Hoskins, Liz? How big of a difference would he have made in the lineup this year? I don't know. They, I, I think his lefty power would have probably been really helpful. Um, there were times when just having a guy who's on his own rhythm, which Hoskins always was, um, he rose and fall of his own accord, not because the team itself was doing well or not. He had his own streakiness, and I think that kind of individuality would have been helpful this year. Having a guy who you know can be streaky at any point and could break out of a slump or start hitting when everyone else sucks. And that's, I think, what we missed this year. There were, I think there were some opportunities that were missed because he wasn't around, you know, chances for late innings wins when having a, a hitter like him would have been important. Um, yeah, a guy like him in the playoffs to, like I said, just be be the chance that we needed, that we know that he could break out at this moment right now. Yeah, I would say having a guy who has a non-zero chance, you know, despite his his faults, a guy who has a non-zero chance of hitting five home runs in four days in Jake Cave's place in the batting order would have mm-hmm. been a boon for this team all season long. Uh, so yeah, he he will be missed from the Phillies when the day comes that he is formally not playing for them anymore. 
uh, which I guess that has arrived, but formally playing for another team. And that door has officially closed. So we'll talk more about that in the future for now. Just kind of a bummer. Uh, but while the Phillies and Harper and Hoskins news had people in their feelings, Phillies fans got hit in the leg with another dart when MLB.com's Mark Feinzen <laughs> says a source tells him that the Phillies are open to the idea of trading Nick Castellanos. Now, Liz, I can hear the alarms going off behind you and the papers flying and the people screaming at each other, and windows breaking. Um, could you do us all a favor and just parse out the difference for people between these three phrases? The Phillies are actively shopping Nick Castellanos. The Phillies are open to trading Nick Castellanos. And the Phillies are open to the idea of trading Nick Castellanos. I feel like there is a separation between <laughs> sentiments and, and reality in, 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 you know, based on what version of this you put out there. And the Phillies put out the most tame version of this, which I, someone pointed out they were doing this last year as well, which I don't remember, yeah. but I completely believe. Well, because in theory, they're open to the idea of trading anyone. Like, seriously. I mean, maybe Harper is not that guy. Maybe Turner's not that guy. But if they got the right offer for any of these guys, they'd do it in a heartbeat. They would if yeah. it was the right deal. Now, that you have to recognize that for a guy like Harper and Turner, the right deal isn't out there. Or even Schwarber, you know, like a lot of these guys are, are here because they're they're the guy. The Phillies have just found themselves in a position where they have just so many guys that that are the guy they wanted for that spot. So the right deal would either be something unrealistic or non-existent, essentially. But in Castellanos' yeah. case, I don't know. I They don't think he's the guy. And as much as I love him. I wouldn't go that far. As I wouldn't person, say they don't think he's the guy. I think he, they're just, he's the guy that if they were, if they could move somebody, he's just the one in the position where they could move him. Yes, and if, they, if they're trying to, and I'm sorry, but if they're trying to impact one of their biggest faults, which was too many free swingers, well, if they bring in somebody who has a reputation for a more disciplined plate approach, this is them, this would be them addressing that. Though I don't believe this is a trade that necessarily has to happen. Agree. Agree. I mean, I would say the reason that this has come up two years in a row is because he is not the guy. They're still looking for improvements over there. Um, and after two inconsistent seasons, wildly inconsistent seasons, you know, they, if someone wants him, they would listen, which is what this means. Right. They're not, because what Feinstein said, they're open to the idea of trading to Castellanos, which means, if the right deal came along, they'd do it, but they're not actively shopping him because why would you actively shop a guy like that? Because you're not going to get any major return. This is, it's another, right. as soon as I heard, they're like, they're open to the idea of ca trading Castellanos. I'm like, this is just crap. This is just, it's all bull. This is just what you say. It, yeah, this is just what you say about a player who's not, who wasn't performing well. I'm, of course, we're open to the idea of trading this guy that didn't do well for us. It's, it's just words you say. They're just words that GMs say. They come out of their mouth. They're printed. They're meaningless. It certainly opens the door a crack for the possibility of a Nick Castellanos trade. Yes, of course. But this is also a very definitive early off-season headline oh, yeah. there, where one writer has one source who says this is something that doesn't have a 0% chance of, of, of happening like essentially. Yep. And that's, and that's, nose. that's all it is. And, and 
you know, I, I'm not saying that because I, I was like, you can't trade Castellanos. I would be surprised if they do, and I certainly have an affinity for Castellanos after this year. I also have plenty of frustration with Castellanos after this year. Boy, the Phillies have a lot of guys like this. Yeah, uh, but Dombrowski would have to have a plan in place to re- uh, in place to replace Castellanos' bat, which, yes, takes full months off at a time on occasion, but also was one of the best in the Phillies lineup in April, June, August. Did you know he didn't even he didn't commit an error in right this year? Oh. As soon as you said didn't, I'm like, I know what he's going to say, and I can't believe it. Because you're totally right. I I mean, I watched so many. I watched more games this year than I did last year, for sure. And I was paying attention. He was, uh, he even made something in right field. He made an error that looked like it was an error, but it was actually a brilliant thing he did. Oh, right. And they were being much gentler about calling errors this year in general for the, yes. just just for the record but a lot of hometown scoring i think i would but i would say having watched castianos and Wright all season um that yeah i mean obviously he's not known for his defense but i think it, it's not his problem isn't that he doesn't you know miss the ball it's that he might not get to the ball as much as somebody who is faster or just more adept to playing in in the outfield but mm-hmm. yeah i mean that was that was something that was like that. Yeah, that's a feather in his cap. Certainly, it doesn't make him the best right fielder in baseball or anything defensively, but it does. You know, that's that's awesome. That's great. That's it. That is something you do want to mention about your your starting right fielder. So, gut feeling with something like this out there, Liz. Do the Phillies trade Nick Castellanos this winter? Go. No. Okay. <laughs> no. No. If they do, I don't. I mean, it'll be a, it'll be a coup that. Dabrowski is pulled off if he's going to trade Castellanos and get actual real value back for him that will help the Phillies this year because that's the thing he's not the best and of course the Phillies want to be uh open to upgrading him you know upgrading that position if they get the opportunity and that's all they're saying because I don't know if there's a trade they can make that will make the Phillies overall better this year because if if anyone is talking about Phillies trades that will pay dividends in the future, they need to go walk directly into a well because there is that we're at the future. We're here now. The time for things that will that will pay off in the future was like three years ago. Like everything that the Phillies do right now has to make them better immediately. It just does because that's that is a team. The Phillies are one of the teams that want to win now. Yeah, that's a good point. But I also think like who do you who who are you trading Castellanos for? And maybe that picture well, changes yeah. or becomes more clear as the winter goes on. But you're not trading your starting right fielder for a bullpen arm. That's exactly. probably not happening. You're probably not trading him for a, a another position player, right? Like what is there unless you can really swing an upgrade, I, I don't see like how you're not just I don't know, breaking even. Maybe we would have to do with like the deals in place, but I don't know. That seems like a, a, a blurry gray area too that would involve more insight that presumably the Phillies front office has that we do not. Uh, but then I move into starting pitching and you think, okay, let's say it doesn't work out with Nola, but free agency does have pitchers in, in it that the Phillies have been linked to in Blake Snell and Sonny Gray, neither of whom are, are pitchers that I think people are very excited to see come to the Phillies to replace Nola. Um, so I, I feel like if they reach that point where they're trying to trade Nick Castellanos for an Aaron Nola's replacement, 
the Phillies would even consider it a failure to that point. Like, oh, oh God. boy, this plan, we're on to plan D or E at that yeah. point. If, and if, I don't think they get to this point because, again, I, they're not seriously thinking about trading Castellanos. The only reason that would make sense is if they're all they're obtaining a guy that's better than him at his own position. And that's not how trades work. This that's is just not be how interesting, trades work. I think. The because- Phillies would have to, yeah, the Phillies would have to package a bunch of guys with him in order to get a major league ready guy. Because if someone else has like a productive, great right fielder, they're going to want a lot in return. Like, it, it it makes no sense. Because the Phillies don't have, like, a dynamite power-hitting right fielder in the minors. They're not just waiting for some guy to be ready. That's why you trade a position player who is not as good, because you have a guy already that is better. You know, I know of somebody who is a slugger in the vein of all the Phillies' current sluggers, uh, and who has experience playing in the outfield. And his name is Reese Hoskins. Stop it. Stop it. What are we doing? Do you want to go back to 2018? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? In some ways, absolutely. (laughs) No, we're never going back, man. This is going to be interesting offseason. It's almost like there's there's a gauntlet in front of a lot of GMs. Like, how good at being a GM are you? Because the answer this year, and I think next, for a lot of big questions, isn't going to be in free agency. It's going to be a little more complicated than, do I have the money for this free agent? Yes, then I'm going to try to sign him. That, you know, that that I think isn't going to be, I think that it's going to be a much more active trade market. And that's where, you know, as I mentioned before, people do, you do have winners and losers there. You know, sign a free agent, then, you know, until you find out, on the field, whether that's a bust or not, you're just like, okay, they have addressed that issue. They got their guy. It's a success on paper, but with a trade, you can kind of see winners and losers from the outset to an extent. Uh, And this is going to be, this is going to be interesting because it's not the easiest off season for teams to try and improve. Free agency isn't very deep and the Phillies don't, they don't even have a lot to give up via trade, but Dombrowski keeps finding ways to trade guys to address the problems they do have. This may be a bigger one than he's had to deal. But then again, we have, despite his clarity and directness, there's still some ambiguity as to what exactly happens next and who exactly the Phillies would target. I mean, they're still prioritizing Aaron Nola or Aaron Nola's replacement if that doesn't work out. But as far as like the what we're talking about, offensive and position players, it is kind of blurry. And this is going to be a test for for more GMs and presidents of baseball ops than just Dave Dombrowski. We're going to see who's who is good at this. And I, I don't know. I, don't, I feel like in this modern era, there's some GMs who are in their jobs because of politics, analytics, because of what they promised in their job interview, who maybe aren't as literate in the stay, you know, making a deal over drinks kind of trade activity that might resurface given the current climate. Yeah, I mean, I feel lucky that we have Dombrowski because he's very good at his job. As we've seen in the just the few years he's been here, he's done more. And it's not done more with less because the Phillies haven't at one point had an abundance of things, you know, of, of players to trade and and ways to make, you know, the team better. Um, and he's 
he's used everything at his disposal to do it. And I, I mean, we can criticize some smaller moves, but he's made the big moves. He made the big moves. And now this offseason, we get to see him be a technician because there aren't any obvious big deals to be made except for Aaron Nola. And at this point with Hoskins leaving and, you know, Castellanos sort of, I guess, a, a semi blurry question mark over there in right field. I feel like it's, I feel like it seems impossible that they won't bring Nola back. Yeah. I mean, and I've spent some time well. looking at the other two guys. Yep. And it's just, I can't, I saw someone on Twitter um, talking about the number of times Sonny Gray, Blake Snell, and Aaron Nola have faced guys the third time through the lineup. And Nola has done it far more than either of them. And I think that does affect his overall effectiveness somewhat. But when – I personally can't imagine our number our number two starter being a guy that just goes five. I can't. Yeah. It's yeah. antithetical to what the Phillies have done this past year, to what to how they've built their bullpen. You know, they – they have some long guys that can get in there, but you don't you don't want to have that be like a, a practical guarantee every five days because at least one of the other days you're going to have a guy do that because he's your fifth starter or whatever. I'm pretty sure Dombrowski has said he wants guys who can go seven, eight innings. He has. I, I'm pretty sure he has said that that is, that, yeah, that is his preferred method. And it's the one, like sort of less modern quote-unquote baseball thing to retain that is actually good you know it guys are like let's do more bunting let's play more small ball like Dombrowski has taken the stuff from you know the earlier era that he was very instrumental in in baseball and he's taken the things that he knows will still work and are still important and that will actually affect the game today guys being able to stay in past the sixth inning or even through the sixth inning is really important to him because it saves it saves a bullpen guy an entire game like an entire inning every time it yeah. keeps your bullpen fresh and yeah. it makes it easier and so I just don't see how he doesn't resign Nola I think they just need to I think they're just bargaining to get him down a little closer to actual market value because there's just no way he was going to get what he was asking for but I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot out there, and it doesn't all align. Bob Nightingale says no. Buster Olney says yes. Howard Eskin says no. I no mean, one knows. There's there's a lot of people very confidently saying opposite things out there as far as Nola goes. If honestly, my gut right now is saying no. Um, that I think they want him. They do genuinely want him back for the reasons you're saying. But I don't. I think Nola wants too much. They were separated by a hundred million before the season started. Yeah, that was before the season started, though. And that's those are numbers that you float at the beginning of the season that you know you're just not gonna, you're not gonna meet. That's yeah. just, you know, like there's no reason for there's no reason for Nola to ever sign an extension before he was a free agent. There just wasn't. So let's imagine that Hoskins, Nola, and let's just even throw Castellanos in there. Let's imagine they're all gone. We don't have to come up with specifically who has joined the team in their absence, but just just with that, no, like let's just pretending that that's the case and that they've been replaced. 
Do you feel like the Phillies are a better team in 2024? I Yes, probably. Because this is a question more about like our trust in Dombrowski and what's available out there to acquire, who is available out there to acquire, more so than – because like, obviously you could just say, well, it depends on who fills those roles, but – the I general... didn't want to say that because that's not the question you asked. No, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The general idea of you know, like our belief that he can improve the team even with those guys gone I, and like how much space above those guys at their various roles there is available. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, it's kind of like, I'd say it's kind of like the Mets last year. How much did they need to improve their offense? That team won 101 games. This team won 90 games and went to the NLCS. They won 87 games the year before and went to the World Series. So they don't have to improve a whole lot because they were good enough to have a really good chance of getting where they wanted to go. So I don't know. I guess the coward's response is to just push and say, I think that even with all those guys gone, they can still be as good as they were in 2023, which wasn't the best team in the league but was you know, good enough to make the playoffs and go on a deep run. And that's that's all you can really plan to do. Like, you can't just say, well, we built a team that's going to win the World Series. Sure you did. <laughs> sure you did, Braves. But then, you know, the playoffs happen, and it's just uh, things don't work out. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the moves do exist, even if my brain can't see them, uh, To that if the Phillies ended up in that situation where all three of those guys were gone, Dabrowski could pull off some moves that make the team as good as they were, if 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 still different than they were in 2023. I, I think that's fair. I think it's fair, too. I'm willing to trust Dombrowski until he gives me a reason not to. And he's exactly he's shown, <clears throat> excuse me, he's shown that he can do a lot and that he's been in the game, I think, at this point, as long as anyone else in his position right now. Like, Brian Cashman's been mm-hmm. in his position with the Yankees for about 20 years. I know that Dabrowski hasn't been with any one team that long, but he's got a lot of experience. He, I mean, he, looking at what he's done in the past three years is bonkers. The entire, almost the entire team is different. Yep. <laughs> like, you look at that, and it's like there's Turner and Castellanos and Schwarber and we've got Ed Wheeler, and that's not Dombrowski. But, you know, the, everything is is different than we all thought it would be. And I try to keep that in mind during this time specifically, that baseball tears itself apart, puts itself back together every offseason, you know? And, that's true. You know, you, everything's going to seem different and weird for a while until it starts. Yeah. Speaking of different and weird, I wanted to throw this in before we wrapped up. Uh, I saw this right before we started recording. According to John Morosi, the Milwaukee Brewers are open for business, willing to trade anybody on their <laughs> roster. That means Corbin Burns is available. Freddie Peralta is available. Devin Williams is available. If the Brewers are open to trading any of these guys, Liz, somebody looking for pitching is going to benefit could that be the Phillies? I mean, we're sitting here talking about how ambiguous things look. Did this make things a little less ambiguous? Or are the Phillies too strapped for players they'd be willing to give up in the kind of deal they'd have to make for somebody like Burns or Peralta? Does Milwaukee need a free-swinging right fielder with a cool sun? <laughs> with a cool sun? Um, 
<laughs> goes to see psychedelic art installations. Um, I I did not know that about the Brewers. I did not look. I have not looked at social media today, and so I um I'm surprised to see that that they really thought that uh Craig Council was the glue holding their team together. Is that it? I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't because. I don't know what I this mean, is. I mean, it's not that they've been uh, bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, you look at, it's like. Uh, no, you're right. That's Craig not that Council, they've been bad. That's fair. But it's like Craig Council left and they they looked at everything that's happened over the past decade or so. And they're like, well, he won one playoff game and we never managed to get over the hump. They'd be the problem. The problem might have been him, but it also might have been. Oh, hell no. The we problem just, was that their offense was barely, like, uh, well, no, the Willie Adamas they, was their biggest <laughs> offensive weapon. Christian Yelich was brought in to be that guy and never was, even though, like, he maybe had a little bit of a comeback here, a little bit of a comeback there, but he's never been the hitter they wanted him to be when they brought him to Milwaukee. Their offense has lagged behind their pitching for so long that it has cost well, them pitching postseason games. Their pitching is like magic, too. Like you, there's a bunch of guys in their rotation. Like, how and why is this happening? And are they doing it every year? Everyone's like, why are the Brewers are so good? It's it's their pitching, which no one thought about, and everyone's still just like looking at it. Like, I guess it's just this one guy and everyone else pitching out of their minds. Mm-hmm. So but- you look at the Brewers and you're like, I guess this is probably not a bad time to start over. But I would say this is, you know, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. Why you know, we, we keep things broad and ambiguous here at the beginning of the offseason because you never know what's going to develop. And this development, I think, was a little surprising. And now some guys are available who you didn't know were available before. And these are some these are some top guys. And speaking of top guys, I also wanted to mention because, you know, where else are you going to mention it? Bryce Harper, Silver Slugger winner at Designated Hitter. Pretty cool. Zach Wheeler, <laughs> old glove winner. Anyone? Hmm? Hmm? Sure. It's, it's almost as good as a pennant. Nope, it is not. Um, <laughs> I, and I'm going to guess both of them would rather trade those in for a pennant. Ah, maybe they uh, can. Maybe if the combined value of those two awards will give us the Diamondbacks pennant. I saw somebody I like that. arguing with my, my editor at Baseball Prospectus earlier today, uh, ardently arguing. Uh, that after he had referred to the Diamondbacks offense as mediocre and they said, hey, that offense was one pitch away from being up 2-0 in the World Series. So they're not mediocre, which is a insane. dumb thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not. How Don't say those words, being man. Correct works. That's not to professional <laughs> baseball writers, please. Like that's you're, you're offending all of us. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anything, it's more of a dunk on teams like the Phillies that they were beaten by what was a definitively mediocre oh, offense. Like it that, is. Yeah. I don't think any. I don't think any fan would deny that that the 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 off season was disappointing. Um, the off season, the end, of the, the late season was disappointing for all of for all of that. Ugh. Well, as the offseason develops and more players become available, more narratives emerge and the Phillies make more moves, we'll be talking about it all offseason long here on Hidden Season. For new episodes, head on over to billypen.com slash hidden season. And for bonus content, head on over to patreon.com slash hidden season. And no, I'm not going to ask you to head on over to a third thing. You can just you can start with those two and we'll work on a third one if necessary. Uh, But from WHYY and Billy Penn, I'm Justin Clue. I'm Liz Rocher. 
and this has been Hidden Season.